welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Joseph was a man's man. Scripture indicates he was a carpenter. Now, when we think of carpenter, we get an image of a Western carpenter. But when you look at ancient Israel, they didn't build houses and buildings out of wood. Is there was there was very little wood in Israel. They built out of stone. That's what they have a lot of today. Stone. And this is a picture from the city of Nazareth. And this this building actually was there at the time of Jesus. Made out of stone. So what we don't know when it says he was a carpenter, was it indicating that he was a building contractor and so he, he, he was a stonemason? Or was it indicating he was a finishing carpenter and he would come inside and do the finishing work and in that way work with wood? And, and did he build tables and, and ox carts and things like that? We, we really don't know. It, it simply indicates he was a carpenter. What we do know is he was a hard-working man's man. And he was having to make a really difficult decision. His spirit was crushed. His reputation was at stake. Literally, his whole future was at stake. The woman that he had been engaged to in good faith had admitted to him she was pregnant. And of all things, she was trying to convince him she was pregnant by God. Can you imagine? She had been a good woman. It was hard to believe. She was known for being a God-fearing woman. And, and no one would have believed this of her. And he was struggling. How, how was he going to explain this to the rabbi? How was he going to explain it to the synagogue council? How was he going to explain it to his parents and his siblings? His word began to get out into the community. Would they assume he was the father and he would start losing contracts, start losing customers? He was wrestling with a really tough decision. On one hand, he liked Mary. You have to understand, in that culture, in that time... You didn't get married because you loved one another. 
You got married because the contract was arranged and you would learn to love one another as you lived together. He liked her. He admired her because of who she was in the community. All of that now was wrestling inside of him. And on one hand, he didn't want to hurt her and wound her. And so he tried to think in his mind ways that he could divorce her without humiliating her and requiring that she be stoned. Maybe she could go to another community. Maybe, maybe if she went to a different region, instead of being in Galilee, maybe if she went to Judah where her, where her cousin lived. Maybe, and, and, and maybe she could have the baby and, and it would seem like she was a widow. You know, I mean, things were going through his mind. He was wrestling between anger and compassion, between frustration and anxiety, between worry and anger again, he was wrestling. It's a man's man. It's tough to deal with. How dare she do this to me? Somewhere in that process, one night deep in sleep, an angel from God comes to him. And he has this dream, this vision. And, and the message from the angel, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife. I find it interesting. The angel is already counting her as his wife. Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is because when, in that culture, when you became engaged, the father and the son would go to the home of the bride and her parents and they would agree to a covenant and the dowry. And then they would drink a cup of covenant and seal it. And the covenant has been made. And now they're just waiting for the time when that covenant is going to be sealed publicly in the actual marriage ceremony. And so that's why... If that engagement was broke, they, they would have to go through a divorce. He was in covenant. And the angel on that basis was calling Mary his wife. Another reason the angel was calling Mary his wife was because the angel was saying, marry her. Don't be afraid. Marry her. Complete the marriage covenant. Because truly... She is pregnant by God. And to, to comfort Joseph in his anxiety and to speak prophetically of how significant this child is that Mary is carrying, the, the angel says, look, this is based on two foundational stones. One is she is a virgin. The other is... He will be a savior. The two foundational stones. And, and what is the angel bringing to Joseph? The angel is bringing to Joseph, first of all, <clears throat> the assurance 
that Mary is exactly what he had believed Mary to be all along. A God-fearing woman, a woman of integrity, a woman faithful to her covenant. She is a virgin. And the other is, she, he, she's carrying a divine child. And this child is going to be your healer and your savior. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. And and this message the angel gives to Joseph is significant to you and to me. wasn't wasn't just a message just for Joseph so that that Joseph could could uh, be healed in himself and the wrestling stop and and he could find inner peace because trust me where he's going now when when he moves forward from this the anxiety is just beginning. He's going to walk through all the ridicule that Mary's going to have. He's going to have to listen to the people in the marketplace saying, oh yeah, I understand she was married, you know, she got pregnant by a Roman. He's going to have to deal with all of that. He's going to have to deal with all of this stuff. And I've, I've often wondered how much that had to do with him staying for two full years in Bethlehem after Jesus was born and Joseph Applying his trade in, in the ancient hometown of his family, Bethlehem. And then, of course, he's going to spend a season in Egypt until Herod the Great dies. Then he comes back to Galilee. Not an, not an easy thing that Joseph is, is setting himself up to walk through. But he can do it now with great confidence because he knows in his knower. When, when, he, when he wakes up from that dream, it is vivid and alive in him. And he knows these two foundational stones are certain. She is still a virgin. She is carrying a divine child. Wow, that's awesome. But see, we, we've got to understand why that was so significant and why that is significant to you and me. She's a virgin. Actually, the angel quotes to him Isaiah chapter 7, 14. And it's interesting because when, when you look at this in the Hebrew, <clears throat> the word in Hebrew Yes, it can reference a virgin, but it also references a young woman. Now, it, it, it can be a young woman that's not married yet and who has still never had sexual relations. But it can just mean a young woman. But when, when the Old Testament was translated into Greek... The Septuagint, it's called... He uses the same Greek word in Isaiah 7.14 that is used in Matthew 1.23 when the angel says to him, she's a virgin. And it is the Greek word that literally means a young woman that has never had sexual relations. And so what do we know? We know that was the intent 
when God gave the prophetic word in the beginning. In fact, that, that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 is very interesting because it, it is both a near fulfillment and a, the distant fulfillment as prophecy is so often in scripture. It has the near and the distant fulfillment. And it has the near fulfillment in the, in the king of, of, uh, of Israel at that time and it has the distant fulfillment in Mary the virgin she's the virgin it, Dr. Ray H. Hughes who in the 60's and 70's and even in the 80's was considered the greatest Pentecostal preacher in history and many today still reference him as the greatest Pentecostal preacher in history <clears throat> served as general overseer in our movement on several occasions great preacher when he was doing his graduate work one of the professors talking about these two very passages of scripture in Isaiah and in Matthew said now we know that it is impossible for a virgin to be pregnant and, and, and so began inferring that well you know this is a myth and it's a nice story but it's just a myth and Dr. Hughes of course who wasn't Dr. Hughes at that time yet he hadn't completed his, his graduate work but, but he spoke up and he said exactly professor I do not disagree with you it is impossible for a virgin To be expecting a child. That's why this is a miracle from almighty God. Exactly. That is why the angel said to Mary. With God nothing is impossible right? Luke chapter 1 verse 37. With God nothing is impossible. It is significant. That she was a virgin. Why? Because it all goes back to Genesis. And the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. Do you remember this story? When Adam and Eve are in the garden. And God has commanded them. There's a tree in the center of the garden. You're not to eat of that fruit. Some people call it an apple. We don't know if it was an apple. If it was a plum. If it was. You know. It's probably a pear tree. You can tell I don't like pears, right? (laughs) Actually, pears and I have a mutual agreement. I don't like them and they don't like me. So we get along real well. But the, uh, uh, you know, whatever that fruit was, they were not to eat it because it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And what do we know? The wages of sin is death. Says in Romans chapter 5. As by one man's disobedience, sin entered the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for all have sinned. And God came and God confronted the situation of their disobedience. And then God spoke the consequences to each of them. Woman, you're now going to bear children in pain. Man, you are going to, you're going to earn your living by the sweat of your brow. Ground, you're going to grow weeds and thistles and thorns. Crumb, Adam. And uh, <clears throat> there's times I'm so mad at him. 
when I have to weed my strawberries, just makes me really mad at Adam. I'm looking forward to the day. There's a, there's a day when all that's going to be fully redeemed. We will not be weeding the garden. <laughs> Hallelujah, Dawn. <laughs> but he turned to the serpent and he said to the serpent, For I will put enmity between you and the woman. And we have seen that all down through history. In Genesis chapter 6, Satan tries to destroy the, the entire genetic system of the human race to make sure that woman is bringing forth creatures that cannot possibly be the redeemer of mankind. We see it in, in the book of Exodus when When Egypt and Pharaoh, they're trying to destroy every male child that will ever be born in the Hebrew race. To stop the Hebrew race. Because God had promised Abraham that his son would be the redeemer of mankind. Tried to stop it through Assyria, through Babylon. Time and again, there is this confrontation between Lucifer and woman. This constant battle. And make no mistake of it, dear ones, what's going on in America right now is that same battle. Understand it. It's that same battle. The battle that's going on. It's the same battle. Folks, make no mistake of it. The entire $4 billion a year business of pornography is the war between Lucifer and women. Make no mistake of it. This whole, this whole thing. It's this warfare. But then he didn't stop there. And between your seed, Lucifer's seed, and her seed, the seed of woman. Oh, wait a minute. Now, there's two things here. I don't have time to go into both of them. It's a very interesting thing about your seed. He's talking Lucifer about his seed. That's a whole interesting study. Maybe we can get to that in the first part of next year. Okay? Today, I just want to look at and your seed. Your seed. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Woman doesn't have seed. Woman doesn't have seed. Male has the seed. Woman doesn't have the seed. Woman has the egg. What's going on? What's he talking about? He's giving a prophecy. He's giving a prophecy. There's going to come a time and there's going to be a woman that will not only have the egg, but will have the seed. And she will bring forth her seed will crush your head, Lucifer. Oh, you'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. (sighs) See, here's why. Here's why it has to be the seed of the woman. It is because every, every child that is born from the seed of a man is born a sinner. Because the iniquity of the fathers is visited to the third and fourth generation. Come on. The iniquity of the father is visited to the third and fourth generation. As much as you and I may not like it, sir, every time we've had a kid, we've brought forth a sinner. 
And it's our fault. Sorry to tell you that, but it's our fault. That's why I like to ask guys when they're getting ready to do the wedding. Are you willing to accept the greater responsibility for this covenant? Because what you're about to do, you're going to bring forth a kid and that kid's going to be a sinner and it's your fault. And you're going to have to accept responsibility for training that child to not live like a sinner, but to live like a saint. Have discipline in the home and raise that child to be a child of God. Come on, amen? Amen. Got a responsibility. It's our fault. We don't like to accept that. We like to run from it every way we can as men. But it's still our fault. And we're seeing it in this generation. I want to tell you. 80% of the black men in prison in America are absentee fathers. They had no father in the home. The percentage of white men that are in prison without fathers is over 50%. Boy, that should tell us something. Come on, amen? The majority of teen girls that become pregnant out of wedlock, it happens in their own home before five in the afternoon. Why? Because there's no one in the home. Usually because it's a single mom working. Come on, dads, we got to wake up and realize we got a great responsibility. Amen. Now, I know I'm preaching probably to the choir here because all of you, you're, you're godly men. You're raising godly families and, and, and you're in the home. Thank God for that. But listen, will you pass this on to your sons and your grandsons and impress upon them how critical it is that you stay in that home and you raise those kids to be godly kids. Come on, dads. Amen? amen. I want to hear a male amen right there. Amen. Hallelujah. So what did God do? If, if it was a seed of a man, it's going to be a sinner. Can't redeem because he himself is a sinner. So it has to be the seed of a woman. It has to be a virgin that is carrying a child by divine germination that then brings forth a son who is free from sin, who can take upon himself the sin of mankind. Is this making sense? It's so critically important. Wow. Wow. Second message the angel had. Not only, not only is he going to be born of a virgin, but you're, you're going to call his name Jesus. In the Greek, Jesus. You're going to call his name Jesus in the Greek. It means savior. Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. Yahshua. Yahshua in Hebrew. Joshua in the English translation. It literally means Yahweh saves. Jehovah saves. Almighty God 
saves. You're going to call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. That's so important to you and I. Saved. He's going to save his people from their sins. It's the Greek word sozo. I know you were waiting to hear that. You've been wanting to hear that for months. The Greek word sozo. And yet it really is important to you and me. Because of what it means. Sozo in classic Greek. It meant to deliver from great peril. So in, in classical Greek literature, he would, he would talk about somebody that was, that, was, that was delivered from great peril. Maybe it was a sailor who was delivered from, a, from a, a, a ship that was going down. Or maybe it was a maiden that was delivered from great peril because of the danger she was in. Or maybe it was a family that was delivered from a house that was on fire. Or, or it was an army that was delivered from destruction. Sozo, to deliver from great peril. But it not only meant to be delivered from great peril, it also meant to bring healing. To bring healing from that which was damaged beyond repair. To bring healing to a human body that was going to perish. To bring healing. So to deliver, to bring healing. You will call his name Jesus because he is going to deliver his people from great peril and he is going to bring healing to them which are about to perish. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. To Jesus. Through Joshua, through Yahshua, and literally in the book of Romans 6.23, it's Jesus Christos, Yahshua HaMashiach, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes. Amen. Causing Jesus because he's going to deliver us from sins. We're born a sinner and we're under the sentence of death. But through Jesus Christ, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And to justify us, to declare us, to be just as if we had never sinned. And to impart to us eternal life. He delivers us from great peril. Come on, amen. Come on, give him a praise. Not only that. Isaiah said, and by his stripes, we are healed. I like how Peter wrote it in his first epistle in chapter 2. 
For by his stripes we were healed. Isaiah declaring it's coming. Peter, it's happened. It's finished. It's finished. When Jesus Christ was strapped to that flogging post. And I have been to the praetorium of Pilate multiple times. And because of the markings on the floor, there's absolutely no doubt that you're standing within just a few feet or inches, maybe even the very place. But at, at, at the very least, you're within a few feet of the very place where Jesus was flogged. And it tears me up every time I'm there. And they spread eagled him. How then? Tied his hands to that flogging post. And took the cat of nine tails. Short Roman whip. Handle about that long. Leather straps about that long. On those leather straps, multiple places were round metal balls to create welts and then either nails or sharp pieces of pottery to cut the flesh so that there would be welts and then those welts would be cut open. And as they began flogging Jesus' back, these welts began to rise up. And the whip would go all the way from his shoulder blades and his shoulders clear down to his waist and even the upper parts of his legs. And the welts would rise up and the flesh would be cut. And time after time, that cat of nine tails. And when they would hit him, it wasn't like a whip they used when they're, when they're uh, uh, driving oxen or a herd of horses and they snap it above their ear. No, no, no. They would slap it and then pull it so they could tear the flesh away until finally the capillaries are bursting. As the capillaries are bursting and the flesh is drawn away, bone in the back begins to appear. And the capillaries are spurting blood. And every time that cat of nine tails comes across his back. Cancer upon his back. Leprosy. Diabetes. Viruses. Bacteria. The pain and the suffering that human beings are going to carry because of sin that brought disease into the world is coming upon the back of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Yahshua, Jesus, is our son's own.
What a message to Joseph. What a message to you and I. And it's just as real right this moment. What do you need? What do you need? What healing do you need in your body? What healing do you need in your emotions? You see, it didn't stop with the flogging post. Then they, they put this crown of thorns on his head that pierced here. And the reason was because through those absolutely razor sharp thorns about that long piercing his scalp that went all the way to the scalp cap. He was healing our mind and our damaged emotions. What do you need? Jesus. Yahshua. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. Can you see him? Would you prepare your heart right now to receive communion this morning? In our communion, we're going, we're going to identify fully with what Jesus Christ did for us. I'm going to ask Pastor Reagan, would you please come? And Pastor Darcy, would you please come and stand right here? I'm going to ask them to serve you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do as we close this service today. I'm going to ask you to come and get the elements of the communion and go back to your chair and in a personal prayer time, I want you to identify that the matzo represents the body of Jesus, that he took all the suffering in his body to be your deliverer and your healer. And the cup is the emblem of his blood that washes you from all sin and cleanses you from all condemnation and judgment so that you are just and righteous before Almighty God. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.